Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog. On Empower Radio, here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Has anybody ever called you too sensitive and like that was a bad thing? Well, my guest on today's show is Dr. Kyra Messick, and she believes that our physical, emotional, and empathic, energetic sensitivities are linked. And when we understand who we are, we find new perspective and tools to transform our self-concept, to feel more balanced and peaceful and to stand up for ourselves with more confidence. She's here to talk about all that today. Are you ready to meet her? Dr. Kyra Messick earned a doctoral degree in clinical psychology in 1995. A quest to understand sensitivity from a truly holistic perspective led her to study extensively in the field of integrative health. Her holistic training includes flower essence therapy, Reiki, hypnotherapy, yoga, and meditation. Her new book is The Strength of Sensitivity. Now you can find out more at drkyra.com. Dr. Kyra, welcome to Out of the Fog. Well, hello, Karen. It was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for being here. I know I do want to ask about flower essences a little bit later on because I'm very curious, but maybe where we start here is I'd love to know a little bit about your personal journey. Did anybody ever call you sensitive like it was a bad thing? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, this is how it goes. Um, like many of your listeners, you know, I, I really began my life, even as a child, um, feeling kind of like the odd one in the family, misunderstood. Um, I was, you know, emotionally sensitive. So um, things would upset me that didn't seem to bother other people. Um, I can remember even being a kid and just having to watch Bambi where the mother dies right at the beginning and things like that, I would say, what is wrong with these people? Why, why are they making entertainment like this for a child? And I just said, forget it. And I just go back in my room. And um, I also suffered though from a lot of depression, which didn't make sense to me. And, um, and a lot of, um, actually I would get overwhelmed in loud or crowded environments. So I had those physical sensitivities as well. And so what I did was um, went to graduate school in psychology in order to understand myself better. And I have to say that after four years of grad school and my internship, I left that having no better understanding of sensitivity than I did when I went in. <laughs> yeah. And so it really was not until I was in practice and I began having empathic experiences, which we'll explain more a little bit later, 
that I began to realize the depth of my sensitivity, what that really meant, and began to understand myself from a much bigger point of view, that I wasn't just someone who was uncomfortable and sensitive, that I had uh, a great deal of empathic ability and creativity and, and things that were so wonderful, but it, you know we're not taught how to embrace those things. So that's, that's the synopsis of how I got to where I am now. And so I, I found it, I thought it was really, really important to share this with other sensitive people. And so I've ended up dedicating my entire career to empowering sensitive people. You mentioned a couple of, of, of traits of sensitive people about being um, it kind of easily emotionally triggered. Now, for me, Bambi didn't matter so much for me because it was a cartoon. But any okay. movie where a dog gets lost and then the dog either find, fights bravely to get home or doesn't find its way home, I was destroyed. And for me, basically any movie with an animal in it, I'm out. That's it. I'm done. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. But so what are some of those other traits? So Bambi is one trait and overwhelmed <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in those loud and crowded environments. How do we know if we're sensitive? Well, the, the overall way I say this is that I, I like to think of sensitive people that we experience the world with more impact than maybe other people do, and that we're more perceptive, meaning that we can perceive even subtle influences that other people seem to miss. You know, in the, in the book, I talk about the differences between kind of a classic um, descriptors of a sensitive person versus the way I would like people to begin doing that now. And the classic things are some of the things I mentioned, feeling emotions very deeply, maybe getting overwhelmed um, a lot in a, just louder, crowded environments or getting, you know, just sort of um, overwhelmed by too many people. Um, there are also our physical sensitivities that people um, get really frustrated with, whether they're food sensitivities or chemical environmental sensitivities. So we think we tend to define ourselves in regard to these discomforts. But I really like to turn it around. And I have a whole list of new ways to view sensitivity. I believe that's in the first chapter. And I like people to think about how, okay, we are more perceptive, meaning that we are simply aware more aware of what's going on around us. Our bodies react more keenly to stimuli. And I cite studies that have been done uh, by Elaine Aaron, who was a highly sensitive person back in the day. She, she coined the term um, at Stony Brook University. They did studies with MRIs where they showed that the sensitive participants versus the participants who weren't as sensitive had greater blood flow in their brain in response to stimuli. So she wants to show how this is a physiological response. We're not making it up. And so that's another thing for, for us to understand. Our bodies are like more finely tuned, like a finely tuned instrument. So we have to take care of it. Um, and then also our creativity, our ability to think outside the box, and our ability to be empathic and very intuitive. Those are all great skills. And so you can see how we're kind of talking about the same thing, but it's such a different spin on it when we can think about the positive qualities of it and the gifts that we have. If we have gotten used to 
let's say you get to a certain place in your life, like, you know, 51-year-old radio show host, let's say, just as an example. And let's say you get to a <laughs> totally hypothetical. And all your life, you've had all these sensitivities. And I certainly remember as a kid, being my, especially my parents would be like, tone it down. Jeez, it's not a big deal. What's going on? What's the heck? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you get to a certain place in life and you're used to thinking about those sensitivities as something that you need to either cover up or control or suppress, I know and I know that I see in, in my practice as an intuitive, we hurt ourselves when we do that. It's not good for us to try to smash that down. Is that correct from your work as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, just like anything, any any aspect of who you are, if you squelch that and, and you're not genuine to who you are, that hurts and it cuts off a part of your vitality. And so uh, you bring up a really good point that, you know, this is how we've been raised. These are the messages we've gotten over and over again. So how can we kind of step out of that pattern? It's almost like just a habit and, and belief systems that play over and over again. And that's why I begin the whole book. Chapter one is all about our identity. And how can we reclaim our identity to define ourselves rather than allowing all those messages that we've received over our lives to define us? And for a lot of people, actually, it's not as hard as you might think because it's just what we're doing is just automatic. Like you just go, well, this is what my parents said. This is what the teachers said. This is what happens at work. It's kind of knee-jerk responses that are just automatic. But But when we stop and consider it, and think about it, and I have a lot of exercises in the book for people to write things down, visualize, think about these things. And whenever I do this in workshops, I have people um, do an exercise where we think about being sensitive and what all the emotion it brings up, the visualizations, it brings up the feelings, and then think about being strong and what that brings up and see how easily we actually can combine the two. But people have never done that before, so... And it, they think it's not possible, you know. And it and it seems like that would be a process. Then, when I come up against my whatever my trigger is, or whatever the thing is that brings me back to that old way of thinking, it's maybe more about stepping back and remembering, and then coming into that new way of thought, that new way of approaching it. Absolutely. Yeah. Later in the book, I have um, an exercise about um, being aware of your self-defeating thoughts. It's just a matter of awareness and stopping yourself when you do that um because it is it's just it's it's old broken i'm showing our age here you know old broken tapes playing old um just old messages that really aren't valid and they're especially not valid as you go out into your life and you have gifts and abilities and um you know talents that you want to express those things that people said about sensitivity they're no longer valid they don't they don't serve any purpose well and one of the good things about being unusually sensitive is that if we can if we sense things before somebody else might sense them we can also see those old patterns coming back up and maybe nip them in the bud a little earlier than we might otherwise be able to. We don't have to wait till we're right in the middle of the pattern to go, oh, oh, that's right, I said I was going to change. If we can feel it coming and learn to tap into that feeling, we can start that process before we even get to the trigger. Right. Being perceptive has a lot of, you know, a lot of benefits. And, and as soon in the moment, I mean, the second you begin to realize you're kind of falling into it, you know, 
then you're then you're aware of how you can shift that. So this kind of sensitivity that we're talking about, do you draw a distinction between sensitivity and empathy or are you using those two interchangeably? For my purposes, I look at sensitivity from a completely holistic point of view. That if you're a sensitive person, then you're going to have some emotional sensitivities. You're going to have some physical sensitivities. And you are also empathic, meaning that you are sensitive to emotional energy that can come from people, animals, or in places. And I see them all as linked together. You don't have one without the other. Now, just like any other skill or ability, like music ability or things like that, some people can play the piano like virtuoso. Some people just kind of play around on it. Some people are, we're all going to have different levels of those three things. Mm -hmm. And some people are really intensely empathic. Some people, you know, not as not as much, but yes. And I, and it's interesting because I've seen when I read what other people are writing about sensitivity. Yeah, there are people who think no empathic ability. That's not necessarily part of being sensitive, or not everybody who's sensitive is empathic. Why do why do we think that? Because no one ever talks about it. Hmm. So how do you even know if you are empathic? <laughs> and I'm I'm telling you, you are. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, and it creates such a big. Tangle. Maybe are you open to sharing the story that you share in the book about your experience with Dan, about your very direct experience of your own empathy? Sure. Um, now, this was the pivotal moment in my life that made me realize I was empathic and then later discover how that was related to being sensitive. And this is, this is how empathic ability will often express itself for people when it's kind of out of balance and we don't realize what's happening. So this was way back early in my career when I first started being a psychologist. And I was working in a college counseling center. So it was a busy counseling center. I saw lots of different types of clients. And things were going actually quite well in my life. You know, I had a good job, was newly married. Everything was great. So there was one night when I was at home and I was after making dinner, and I suddenly got hit with this just horrible, sickening depression. And now, for me, I had been depressed a lot in my life. So to be hit with depression wasn't necessarily, like, really odd for me. But it felt odd that it hit me at that moment when nothing else was going on. Mm. And um, that it had an just an an odd feeling to it, the intensity of it. But nonetheless, like I said early, you know, earlier, when we, you know, we're taught that our emotions are our own. So I thought, well, I must be depressed about something. So I just started really paying it. I'm, I, w I was a trained therapist, right? So what am I doing? I'm starting to analyze it and pay really close attention to what are the thoughts going through my head? And the thoughts going through my head were, um, my life is hopeless. I'm such a failure. And I thought, well, what the heck? Where'd that come from? I have never even thought that before. Why would I be bringing that up now? What in the world? And so then I just noticed uh, some other things about it and tried to do all the things that a therapist would tell someone to do. Do things to distract yourself. Exercise. Uh, write, it, you know, write it in your journal. Do things to distract yourself. Nothing was working. And it was just getting... And, and people who have 
who have been really depressed will understand what I'm saying. It's like this hole that you're falling down and you just can't pull yourself back out. And so where there was this um, time where I was listening to some music and I realized the song was about some unrequited love or something. And it just was so sad. It was just pulling me deeper and deeper. And I said, well, I just turned that off. Forget it. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I'd written everything in my journal, exactly everything that happened. I just went to sleep in tears and uh, woke up the next morning and I felt okay. I felt fine. It had passed. So I just went into work because that's what you do. And uh, when I got to work, the secretary said, um, one of your clients called and he, he said he needed to be fit in. So I fit him in over lunchtime and I said, you know, great, why not? And, um, but I wondered why it was him. And this was uh, Dan, you know, that you mentioned in the book, because he had been kind of moderately depressed, you know, one of those kinds of people who just not happy, but not a real emergency situation, just chronically depressed. And I thought, well, I wonder what's going on with him. So saw my people for the morning and then grabbed a quick lunch and, and Dan came in. And I said, wow, Dan, what's, what, why did you need to come in before your, your scheduled appointment? And he said, last night I had the worst depressive episode of my life, and it really scared me, and so I just wanted to come in and talk to you about it. So I said, okay, you know, pulled out my notepad like dutiful young psychologist and said, tell me about the events of last night. And he said that he had been on a date, what he thought was a date, and he got really rejected, really rebuffed by this woman, and it sent him into a horrible spiral, and he just had to, he was so embarrassed and so horrified that he just had to leave and go home. And I said, well, well, well what kinds of things were you thinking at that time? And he said, uh, my life is hopeless, I'm such a failure. And that was when it started, when I began to realize, okay, the time of onset and the thoughts going through the head were exactly what I was experiencing the night before. Okay. So at that point, you know, he thought I was the most attentive therapist in the universe because I just was, I was, was probing for every little thing. Of course, what am I trying to do? Find things that might make it a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And instead... Um, the quality of what he described, the way it descended, the things he was doing to try to bring himself out of it. You know, this kid had been in therapy for a long time, so he also knew exactly the things to do. And um, he, at one point, he handed me this crumpled up piece of paper. I said, what's this? He said, it's a poem I wrote about my pain. I said, well, you never did that before. What prompted you to do that? And he said, well, I was listening to some music, and there's a song about unrequited love. And I said, you know what? Let me guess. The Indigo Girls. And he said, yeah. How'd you know? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And um, so I, I did some cognitive reframing for him. You know, we talked about how, no, this really isn't a reflection of you and your, your value and your life. And what are the things that maybe we can think about for future people that you're interested in that you could be more clear about your intentions you know, before you go out on a date or things like that. So he felt better when he left. I, on the other hand, asked my secretary to please give me some time before the next client. And I sat there and had both intense feelings of relief and uh, just emergency fear mm -hmm. because, you know, on one hand, 
it completely explained completely explained everything that happened there's not one single coincidence that whole thing about the indigo girl song was just the the, the universe saying here you go <laughs> just in case you think you might want to you know ignore this so i even though it was seemed crazy and i've never even heard of that happening to anyone at the time it happened and i had to accept that that's what happened and that's what i felt that's why it didn't make any sense to me that's why it came on suddenly it wasn't related to my life um, and I couldn't get rid of it because it wasn't even mine, you know? And so then on the other hand, though, that was scary. Yeah. I, I actually experienced this other person's pain. I didn't know it was coming and I didn't know what to do about it. So then what happened in my career was that this was continuing to happen. Um, but I began to take more note of it. And if uh, a feeling hit me that felt odd, or kind of out of the blue, I would note it. So I began to not identify it as my own. I would note it, what time, what I was feeling, and then sure enough, the next day I'd see a client. So if I was feeling anxiety at four o'clock, she'd say, um, well, yeah, they have, I have panic attacks when I drive over a bridge and I had to drive over a bridge late yesterday afternoon. Okay. And so I, I, mean, you know, I began to figure those things out. But my huge quest at that time became to understand what is this experience? How does one control this and how does this relate to who I am, you know, as a person? And that's when I began to make the connection between sensitivity because I started interviewing people who I, I began to realize, oh, this is empathic ability. This is what this is. Okay. I began interviewing people who had had empathic experiences. Well, everybody also identified themselves as sensitive. So then I went the other direction with it as well. And made all those connections and also worked very hard. And that's where it gets into flower essences and things like that about how does one recalibrate to be able to have this not impact you so directly and so intensely that it gets confused with your own emotions. Mm. And I had to take time off from work in order to do that. And then I went back you know, with, a, with an entirely new perspective and like I said, a new, a new approach to my work. We had on uh, last week's show, Scott Brown was here. He's a peacemaker and a meditation teacher and mentor. And what he was talking about was that the, the illusion that we are separate, that illusion of separateness is what brings violence and confusion and dissent to our society. And that if we're trying to make change and we're doing it from that place of illusion of separateness, it's very difficult to make lasting change. And as I'm listening to you, Dr. Kyra, I'm just thinking, even though you maybe weren't tremendously emotionally involved with Dan, you might have cared about him as a client, but not particularly, mm-hmm. you know, all in, enmeshed. There still right. was something, there's that connection between us all that has to be acknowledged when we're talking about sensitivity and empathy and intuition and all that kind of stuff. Right. When you look at it that way, that incredibly false illusion of our separateness is the most destructive, painful thing for empathic people. Yeah. That exists because people believe that so strongly and it's a hundred percent just goofy wrong. <laughs> you know, when we look at nature, is anything just like one thing that stands alone and it just does what it does all by itself? No, everything is all connected. The earth, the soil, the rain, the water, the bees, the butterflies, the birds, you know, the flowers, like everything works all together and we're no different. 
Um, there was one time I did an interview and she asked me about, um, you know, boundaries. And I had, and I went into a, um, a, a talk about how there's no such thing as an impermeable boundary. And this is a mistake that sensitive people try to make to protect their empathic self. Is they try to put up these boundaries, these walls. And oops, sorry, it doesn't work that way. Like like what we're saying here, we are all connected. And you, it's, I'm sorry, it's just impossible to put up some kind of a moat around yourself that makes you disconnected from the rest of the world. People try to do that with, as we know, drugs, alcohol cigarettes, various addictions. We try, or we try really hard, <laughs> but it's always really hurtful. Mm. It, the, it's, hmm, I know the, I know the break is catching us in about a minute and a half here. It, what this is bringing up for me though, is if there's no such thing as an impermeable boundary, if every wall can be breached, and this I think is a longer discussion for after the break, but it, but how do we then how do we keep ourselves safe and whole and centered and clear about our intentions and confident and all those good things without always being assaulted by people throwing their emotions over the wall? Right. right. And, you know, we'll definitely explore this a whole heck of a lot more in the next half. But flower essences are one huge key to that. Uh, number one is knowledge understanding what that empathic ability is. It feels like an invasion when we deny it exists. So I didn't know anything about it. That's why it felt like an invasion. When we begin to understand it, it shifts and it's not as much of an invasion. That's a a perspective shift. Okay. I love where we're going with this. You're listening to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager and I'm talking with Dr. Kyra Messick. Her new book is The Strength of Sensitivity, Understanding Empathy for a Life of Emotional Peace and Balance. You can find out more about Dr. Kyra and her work at drkyra.com. That's D-R-K-Y-R-A.com. When we come back after this short break, I'm going to ask Dr. Kyra to talk a little bit more about setting those boundaries. She's got a really interesting perspective on the dis- a distinction between psychic protection and raising vibration. I want to get into all that and much more. We'll be right back after this. Kids have the craziest ideas about food. Where do they get this stuff? Like eating Brussels sprouts helps you hit home runs. And eating carrots gives you x-ray vision. It's nuts. And I honestly have no idea where my daughter got this notion that broccoli is the official food of professional ballerinas. Kids, the only reason my four-year-old loves cantaloupe is because he's convinced it comes from the moon. Run, small step for man, lots of potassium for mankind. And the other day when my oldest came up to me and said, Mom, will eating peas and carrots really help me pull off a fakey frontside ollie with a twist? I look him in the eye and say, it can't hurt, honey. It can't hurt. Moms everywhere are finding creative ways to help their kids eat five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. Get ideas, get involved, get going at letsmove.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Wildfires burn millions of acres across the country each year. And each year, wildland firefighters battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. For some communities, it's not a question of if wildfires strike, but when. And a single ember can travel more than one mile. 
As it twists and turns and floats through the air, that single ember can find its way to where you live and can ignite and destroy your home or your community. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. You can't control where the ember will land, but you can control what happens when it does. You can take action now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. Get fire adapted. Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. Prepare, protect, prevail. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m. I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m. I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm in conversation with Dr. Kyra Messick. Her new book is The Strength of Sensitivity, Understanding Empathy for a Life of Emotional Peace and Balance. You can find out more about Dr. Kyra and her work at drkyra.com. That's D-R-K-Y-R-A.com. And of course, I welcome your comments, your questions, your feedback about what you're hearing on today's show. Did anybody ever tell you that you were a little sensitive? I'll tell you what happened to me all the time when I was growing up and okay, still on a daily basis today, right? How do you use your sensitivity? Is it a gift for you or is it something you struggle with? You can always reach me via email. My email address is Karen, K-A-R-E-N at Karen Hager dot com. And Dr. Kyra, before the break, we were starting to talk about how you, you were said you said something about how there are no impermeable boundaries. And I know that in the book, you draw that line between the idea of psychic protection and what you call raising your vibration. So can you help us feel into that? If we're empaths, if we're all connected, how in the heck can we keep everything all clean and neat and organized? <laughs> Good luck. We tried. We tried. <laughs> no matter what in life, we tried that to keep it clean and organized, don't we? Yes. Um, but yeah, now we're getting to the good stuff. You know, we're getting to the <laughs> dirty stuff here. Um, yeah, and I want to be really clear with people. I know there's people who are listening now who um, maybe didn't quite realize that what was happening for them was their empathic, or they already began to realize that. Sometimes people have um, someone else tell them, hey, you're empathic. And they say, what? And they go and, and uh, look that up. And I, and I just want people to understand that, like my story, that was an extreme example. It doesn't always happen that clearly for people. I was lucky to be a psychologist because that meant I was in a room with a person for an hour. They told me exactly what they were feeling and experiencing so I could validate my empathic connection to them. Hey, if it's someone in your family, someone in the cubicle next to you, you're not going to know. Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you. So it's a, it's a matter of trust. 
that you build over time. And the validation will come, though, as you begin to tune into this more. But empathic ability is not meant to be an invasion. It's not meant to be painful. It doesn't have to be like an emotional sponge. This is how people define themselves, and they use this term a lot in my workshops. I feel like a sponge, and I just absorb everything from everybody. And And so I understand that. I get it. You know, I I used to be there. Um, So I'm not just glossing over it and saying, oh, easy, just shift your perspective and it'll all be wonderful. You know, I know it's not, that's not the way it goes, but that's why I like to talk about shifts, radical shifts of perspective and some tools that we'll get into in just a little bit like flower essences. Good. But it, it really does hurt us if we try to do the psychic protection in a way that is this boundary, like a wall or armor or a mirror or something like that. And it hurts us because we're using our own energy to put up this wall. And it just doesn't really work. So then what's happening is you're putting all this energy into trying to visualize this boundary. And then... You're still getting impacted, and then you get frustrated with yourself, and or you get even more confused about what really is, is you're identifying those things as your own. And it's more a matter of claiming our power and strength. That's why the name of my book is The Strength of Sensitivity. So think about it this way. If you feel like you need to put up a wall, a big old boundary, You need to wear armor. What are you telling yourself? You're telling yourself, well, I'm weak. I'm, um, I'm a, I'm a sponge. I'm, I'm, I don't have the, my own personal strength to be able to deal with this. So I need to put up a wall. So it's that thing like I talked about before about sensitivity being a weakness and we take that on as our identity. I know it might seem like really subtle things, but it makes a huge difference in our psyche and how we can uh, relate our own energy and our own vitality to the world. So instead, thinking about our own inner light, our own energy, our own vitality, and expressing that as much as possible. I literally have people go in, see a flame, connect with their solar plexus, like this bright shining sun, things like that, and connecting with that, that energy, and raising our vibration so that we're not in fear mm. that that is what is actually far more protective, if you want to use that word, than trying to keep things away. Mm. I'm, I, one of the things that I do is teach intuitive development, and one of the things I see a lot with students when we talk about what I would call psychic protection is that it's out of fear. I'd better put this up or the bad thing will get me. I'd better put this up right. or something's going to happen. I better put this up. And that is actually that makes you more vulnerable. The strongest, best way is that clear, clean, organic, as you say, from your own light, from your own power, from a place of love. Because, of course, if if we say that we are all connected so we can possibly feel each other's feelings and intuit things and know what's going on, the, the other side of that is because we are all connected, it means that there is spiritual help, protection, guidance available to you if you allow yourself to tune in, right? You get both things. You get the whole right. package when we're connected. So that shift right. from fear is important. 
Right. So in the book, I talk about the connection between empathic ability and intuition. They're really very related. Um, so that's what I meant when I was saying earlier that empathic ability is not meant to be this overwhelming uh, invasion that gets mixed up with your own emotions. It's really just meant to be communication or information. And it it's so beneficial when we get a feeling about somebody, mm, I don't trust this person. Well, there's a reason why you have that feeling. And that's the big thing I tell sensitive people. Trust your gut feelings. Yeah. Always. That's what it is. That is your empathic ability and your intuition. And the more we understand about our empathic ability, the more we kind of recalibrate and listen to it rather than trying to push it away or think it's this horrible liability, the more it becomes like intuition, which is valuable information. And I give examples like, okay, let's say you need to ask for a raise, but you want to do the right timing, right? It's always the right timing. So you check in first with your empathic ability. Is today the day? How's the boss feeling today? Tune into their emotions and you'll get, mm, nope, they're annoyed about something today. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, yes, this is the day. They're happy, you know, and go for it. That's a great, you know, asset to be able to do that. Nice. I like how that moves to using every bit of that connection then for the good, for the, right, for establishing a deeper connection instead of frantically trying to stop all the connections from happening. Right. Right. So what are some tools now that people who are feeling maybe sensitive and not in a good way, what are some of the tools that people can use to start to simmer down a little bit, get a little more clear, start to untangle what belongs to them and what belongs to somebody else? Well, the first thing you do is go to the bookstore and get a copy of The Strength of Sensitivity. Oh, I heard but, about this woman, Dr. Kyra Messick. She wrote this book. I heard it was really good. Yeah, go, so go get the book. <laughs> Yeah, I heard it's a, it's a killer. So, <laughs> the, and then flower essences. I have a whole chapter in there about flower essences. So I'm going to just briefly, you know, go over this because it's actually a pretty in-depth subject. But, you know, I, I tried to explain it as well as I can in the book. When I say flower essences, big, like, hello, hello, I'm not talking about aromatherapy. This is not essential oils. I'm sorry, they sound similar. I didn't make the name. <laughs> the flower essences are energetic remedies made only from flowers of plants and trees. So a lot of people have heard of Bach Rescue Remedy. Mm -hmm. That's a type of flower essence. But there are tons of different brands, and I list a lot of different resources in the book. It was when I used flower essence services. Uh, they're a flower essence company based out of Nevada City, California, Yarrow, that holy moly, I recalibrated because we're not starting from zero in regard to learning about empathic ability. We're starting from, we'll just say it called a negative numeral because we grew up in this world where we were denied, we were told we were too sensitive, and like I said, no one ever took us aside and said, oh, you feel that way about, about Uncle, you know, Uncle John because you're empathic. <laughs> you know, they just say, ah, no, get over it. So we have a lot to overcome. And that's where flower essences can help. I'm not saying we need this flower remedy because we're broken. I'm saying we need it because it's helping us recalibrate from, from a point 
of misunderstanding. So Does that make sense? So I'm wondering what yarrow is, and I'm wondering how does how do flower essences work either in our body or our physical body or our energetic body to help make those changes? What's happening there? Okay, I love flower essences because they're just about the most woo-woo remedy like you can find out there. And so I love it because it really makes people go, are you kidding me? (laughs) What? Flowers? Um, But they're really, in, in regard to energy, they have a similar quality to whatever that plant or herb is used for physically. It has a corollary in the flower essence, but it's more energetic, emotional, and spiritual. So once you think about the plant for a minute, so let's think about a lovely flower um, that's also an herb like chamomile. Okay. So people d- drink chamomile tea, mm-hmm. and it's relaxing. They like it. It calms their tummy. There's also a flower essence made of chamomile. That means only the flowers are harvested. The plant isn't harmed in any other way. The flower essence practitioner can go back to the same plants every year. It's different than ripping them out of the ground and drying the leaves and making it into a tea. So there's a, there's a different quality right there. What does it do energetically? Very similar. It calms the solar plexus where we store all those, a lot of people, they say they get butterflies in their tummy or, you know, our, our stomachs hurt when we're upset. So it's, it's going from that energetic side of it. And it also is uh, very calming for like anxiety, mm-hmm. people who are kind of high strung. So it's, it's doing things that are very similar to the herb but it's on even another higher level, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. You know, we don't have the words to describe these things. So, I mean, chamomile is one where it's really directly kind of, it does a very similar thing. Um, yarrow, so I want to tell people right away here, if, if don't stop listening at this point. <laughs> because do not go to your co-op and go grab a bottle of yarrow. Because I've had people in the past do this, and they grab an herbal tincture instead of a flower essence. And then they write to me, and they say, Dr. Kyra, I've been taking this yarrow, and now I feel weird. (laughs) And I say, what did you buy? What did you get? (laughs) You have to make sure it's a flower essence. Because yarrow is actually a very popular folk herb. It's been used for centuries. People don't know about it. It regulates blood flow. So, um, yarrow as a, as an herb, and this would be the leaves primarily, was used as a wound wart. So this is the classic way yarrow has been used for centuries. Um, warriors would take it into battle with them. So like they'd have a little pouch on, on them. If they're wounded, so they get this big, you know, sword or cleaver wound or whatever. If they're lucky enough and they can still move, they put the leaves on the wound or someone else does it for them. It does three actions. It's antimicrobial. It staunches the bleeding so they don't bleed to death. They don't get an infection and die. And it actually knits the skin back together so that they don't have such a scar. Mm. This is still used this way today. I tested it myself when I fell when I was holding a bottle of olive oil. (laughs) So I cut my hand open. It works beautifully. Okay, so now we're talking about the flower essence. How does this help sensitive people? It does the same actions, but on an energetic level. 
So what do what do sensitive people say? They feel like an emotional sponge. You're taking in everybody's stuff. Or if they go out in a loud, crowded place, it's like it all just permeates like right to their core. So think about a cut. So this isn't your skin. This is your energy, your etheric body or your aura, whatever words you want to use. It is, the Yara flower essence is going to be antimicrobial, meaning it helps you throw off the things that aren't good for you, that aren't your stuff. So the microbes that aren't your own, right. if it's the physical one, the energy that's not your own. It, it helps staunch the bleeding so you don't bleed to death. Hmm. What, what are sensitive people called? Bleeding hearts. <laughs> So it's not always that we're being invaded. It's that we internally reach out to other people. Mm. And that's a, that's a mind blower, you know, for people. So it's, it's helping us be strong and not necessarily real in our energy, but keep it around us and not let it bleed all over the place. And then the last thing I said was about how it, it, uh, this physical yarrow helps the skin knit back together. So you don't have a big scar. Exactly the same for aura. Sometimes when I've spoken with sensitive clients, they've said, they've said this to me. I feel like I have holes in my aura, <laughs> like I'm just ripped open. And um, this is what it does, is it helps literally bring greater integrity to our etheric body. Isn't that amazing? Amazing that a flower exists that is here to help us with that. That is what I find never ending, just interesting. There's a flower on the earth that does this for us. It knew that we would need it someday. <laughs> Eventually, we'll pay attention. You know, I'm sure we did eons ago, and now we're coming back around to it. So that's why I harp on Yarrow as the number one to start with for sensitive people. Then there's tons of other ones. Lavender, chamomile, like we mentioned, corn is very grounding. So there are a lot of other essences to use. So when I started using yarrow, I, I always, you know, everybody always experiments on themselves first. I was like, wow, I no longer feel like these things are me. The empathic sensations are just a little bit enough separate from me that I can get the information I need without actually feeling it internally. So there's a lot of different brands that either also have Yarrow or um, something that's very similar. I'd love to know. So now everyone has listened and they know not to buy the herbal tincture. They, they know they need to buy essence of yarrow or flower essence a of yarrow? flower essence. It needs to say flower essence. That's why in the book I said, please... It really, just order it directly from the manufacturer, and then you'll know you've got the right thing. Um, and so I, I list all the websites, the phone numbers, all the contact information for all the different flower essence manufacturers. Nice. And how is it to be used? This is energy. It's an energetic remedy. Mm -hmm. So there's no smell or taste. It's only whatever is used to preserve the water that people are going to um, are going to taste. So the way these are made is the flowers are put in water in a very co-creative with nature sort of way. They're not just snipped off and tossed in a bowl of water. The person who makes them has to be a sensitive person. 
That's the other reason. Hmm. Of course, this is a remedy made for sensitive people by sensitive people. I love it. That's why it works so well for us. So the flowers are put in the water. Then that water takes on the energy because water is empathic, takes on the energy of the flower. Then that's bottled. And so what I recommend is that those drops are then put back in water and you drink it. They also can be used topically, though, like especially chamomile. Like we said, it's calming your tummy and your solar plexus. So you can put drops in your hand and rub it right on that area. So there's, there's a lot of options for how they can be used. Now, I know that one of the things you talk about in the book is something that you call never-ending sensitivity syndrome. And coming across that made me laugh and also feel strange at the, at the same time. Never-ending sensitivity syndrome. Can you talk about that and, and kind of maybe feel into the way in which if when we're not paying attention to all of this, when we're not mindful of it, when we're not treating ourselves with care that this can kind of snowball and we can see some other stuff coming up? Okay. I decided I needed an acronym, so I call it NESS. Everybody else has an acronym. I needed to have an acronym, too. So never-ending sensitivity syndrome is what happens when, and those of you who have it going on, you're going to know already. I don't even have to define it, but I'll go ahead and, and do it a little bit. Um, there's a cascade of sensitivities that begin to limit your life limit your freedom. And a lot of times it starts with food sensitivities. So first it's gluten, then it's dairy, then it's soy, then it's uh, nightshade family, you know, and then it's this. And uh, then it can, but can also be for people environmental sensitivities. So EMF, maybe it's difficult to use a cell phone or sit at a computer. Uh, it's very difficult to be just out and about in the world because people are wearing perfume or, you know, scented deodorants. Um, and all of those, so it's, so it's more on those lines of the physical sensitivities. And I just know I've been through it and I've known so many clients going through this. I see it all the time in my workshops. People get so frustrated and, and say, my world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I call it never ending sensitivity syndrome because kind of two things are happening. Either more and more and more sensitivities get added so that then the person is more and more restricted in their life or maybe they'll kind of deal with one and feel like, okay, well, I'm, I, I got over that one. Well, then another one will come along. Hmm. So uh, maybe they say, okay, well, I, I didn't eat dairy for a long time. Look, now I can eat it again. Yay. And then the next thing you know, it's what they were eating a lot of. Maybe they were eating a lot of soy instead. Oh, oh now it's soy. You know, so it never ends because it just is a carousel. You know, it gets replaced. So what's at the heart of this? To a certain degree, sometimes, yes, we do need to um, cleanse or we need to temporarily detoxify our bodies. And a lot of times that's how it gets started. But then we don't know how to stop it. Hmm. And... Uh, it really comes down again to our identity as sensitive people. We identify ourselves as broken. We identify ourselves as something's wrong with, something is wrong with me or I'm weak. And therefore, I'm just like being empathic. I'm being invaded. I'm infiltrated. The same thing with the food or the energy, the EMF. I'm, I'm being infiltrated. Mm -hmm. 
So flower essences can help with this to a certain degree, but this one's even more so where we really have to look at our identity and what is it, what are your beliefs and how is that related to these limitations? And like I, I, I really go into it in the book because nobody ever talks about this. Uh, when you go up and you look up food sensitivities on the internet, it's always the same thing. Oh, well, you probably have overgrown candida and you have leaky gut syndrome. And so you just need to eliminate this and eliminate that. And it's like, it's just fact. Yeah. And that's just the way you're going to have to live now. And I'm, believe me, all the dietitians listening, I'm not dissing you. I love you guys. There, there's, I, I refer to dietitians all the time because sensitive people do need to have that time when they detoxify or, or give their body a break for a little while. But it can't go on for 20 years. Hmm. And so I really look, just like everything else, I look at it really differently. And, and, the, and it's just like I started the show, mind, body, spirit, they're all related. So those are physical sensitivities. That means they are inextricably related to our emotional sensitivity, what we believe about ourselves, the emotions we have stored away, and our empathic, energetic sensitivity. And so we have to look at all those things together in order to then change. So what I want people to know is the good news of that, it may sound complicated, but it's not. The good news is you can get over and let go of the physical sensitivities because they're not a permanent physical dysfunction. They're just related to everything else. Now, there's so much good information here, and I know we don't have time to get to it all, but can you tell the listeners what they'll find when they go to your website? Tell about any upcoming classes or events that you have. How can listeners find out more and get in touch with you? Okay. My website is easy to remember. It's drkyra.com, so D-R-K-Y-R-A.com. And... I try to give a lot of resources on the website. So, of course, there's a newsletter, and if people sign up for that, they'll right away will get some interesting information. It's how to say no and feel good about it, a three-step game plan for sensitive people, because I realized, boy, that's a big one. <laughs> Everybody needs that. So I'm just going to give that away, <laughs> everybody who signs up for the newsletter. Um, I um, have a, a links on there to my YouTube channel where I have free meditations, and I'm going to add a lot more there. Oh, I got a little behind on that. I need to keep adding more. Um, I have some quizzes for sensitive people and a lot of articles on there. And I, I really want sensitive people to understand that they're not alone. You know, it's, it's a huge community of sensitive people out there. We always feel like we're so alone or the odd one in the family, the weird one at work. But no, there's a lot of us out there. And it's just that most people are busy trying to hide it or not admit mm. that they're sensitive. And so, you know, that's what I want to do is really have um, these retreats and workshops so that people can get together. So I do have a retreat coming up the end of September. Now it's in Minnesota where I'm located, but um, I also work with people by phone. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, it can still work with you. That's wonderful. And they can reach you through your website, drkyra.com. Dr. Kyra, thank you so much for being on the show. What great fun. I'm going out to get some yarrow and I'm going to, I'm doing it right. I'm not going to mess it up. I'm going to go out and get some yarrow now because I've talked to you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you so well, much. Thank you. That is. 
Go ahead. Wonderful pleasure. It was a wonderful pleasure to talk to you. So much, so much fun. And I, I hope that sensitive people can understand from us that you can be sensitive and you can also make make light of it sometimes, yeah. have fun with it. And as you expand your light, your light actually becomes, your life becomes so much lighter and more joyous. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, you, you are very welcome. That's Dr. Kyra Messick. Her new book is The Strength of Sensitivity, Understanding Empathy for a Life of Emotional Peace and Balance. You can find out more about Dr. Kyra and her work at drkyra.com, D-R-K-Y-R-A.com. And of course, find more, found out more about what's coming up next on the show. Shoot me your questions and your comments. Find out about sessions with me and classes and events. And oh my goodness, there's a lot going on. All of that is at KarenHager.com. And if you, like me, feel that when we put our intention together, we can make a difference, that we are connected, that we, when we intend peace and love and change, that change happens, I invite you to check out OpenPeacefulHeart.com. The first Sunday of every month, we gather for a 15-minute free guided meditation. People from all over the world coming together in harmony, in that shared connection, intending for peace. And thank you so much for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.